Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can catch Union Street Hoops on Apple Pods, Spotify, and all over the internet at NWI.com. It is the afternoon of senior night here on the campus of Valparaiso University, as John Kaiser and Ryan Vizikas will be honored this evening. And later on in the podcast, you'll hear from John Kaiser and Ryan Fazekas, as well as Valparaiso head coach Matt Lodick. These interviews were done on Sunday and Monday. The interviews with Kaiser and Fazekas were done on Sunday. And Kaiser, I talked to one-on-one. Fazekas, I was talked talk to in a bit of a group scrum. You'll hear a, a couple of edits in the Fazekas thing, um, kind of bouncing uh, from point to point. One time he starts talking about Kaiser, and while we never mentioned Kaiser's name, he starts talking about him. And the reason for that is because, well, the other reporters ask the question. And I'm not here to promote other reporters on Union Street Hoops, although they're dear friends of mine and I enjoy working alongside them. And when the season comes to an end, particularly the home slate, it's always kind of sad because you see these people day in and day out during the season and then the season ends and and they go away. But uh, that said, I'm not trying to get them page clicks. So yes, uh, there's some editing that was done there. The John Kaiser interview that you'll hear was just he and I sitting in the the media room, so to speak, uh, at Echoes a little bit there. And then with Matt Loddick, too, again, it was uh, in the media scrum, um, you know, sitting there with uh, with other people. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we, we've been – I didn't do a, an episode last week in, in part because um, we've been doing so much high school coverage, right? We've got uh, – uh, you know, I cover gymnastics. I'm covering swimming and then the state meets for those and sectionals and all of that, basketball – traveling i didn't even go to the the game against um the, the game valpo played the other night against bradley because i was on the road in logansport covering the south central girls basketball team and and, and the the end of their amazing run as they fell at the buzzer in semi-state so it's just it's been very very busy uh with all of that so um i didn't do a podcast talking about the incredible comeback victory against illinois state and the incredible comeback lost to Drake and uh, and then obviously they just had the game here against Bradley and so Valpo has uh, and, and even the you know the game the win against Southern Illinois that holding them to 38 points and then uh, John Kaiser getting hurt in that game that was a tough one to to see but again John Kaiser will take us through that injury here in a little bit when we talk to him so as things sit today there are 10 games left in the Missouri Valley Conference only 10 two for each team Everybody's got a home game, everybody's got a road game, and there you have it. There are still 1,024 possibilities of the way this whole thing can shake out, right? We've had Matt Hackman on before the podcast. He is a guy who puts together some excellent, excellent looks at the Valley uh, seating possibilities. You can find him on Twitter at MJ Hackman. It's a great feed. And looking at the weighted possibilities here, these are the weighted possibilities, taking into account expectation for each one of these 10 games, whereas tonight Valpo's playing Missouri State and he's got Valpo with a 56% chance to win. On Saturday they play at Indiana State and he's got Valpo with a 35% chance to win. Valpo can finish anywhere still, this is unweighted, can finish third through eighth. 
And most likely it looks like Valpo will finish seventh, according to Hackman's scenarios here, um, looking at the winning probabilities of these games, giving them a 42% chance to finish seventh, but a 20% chance to finish at number six. If Valpo beats Missouri State tonight at the Arc, and you, whenever you're listening to this, this game might have already happened. If Valpo beats Missouri State, they can still lose to Indiana State on Saturday and make it out of Thursday, provided Drake loses their final two games. Drake plays at Loyola, and then Drake plays at home against Northern Iowa. Those are the top two teams in the league, and Drake is obviously going to be an underdog in probably both those games, even the one that they're at home. Rivalry game, still tough one. Valpo has a path to the number three seed in Arch Madness. They have a path to the number eight seed. They lose both their games. They're going to probably be the number eight seed. If they win both their games and they finish in a three-way tie with Southern Illinois and Bradley, so you need Drake to lose both their games, you would then need, based on the standings, you would need Bradley to lose both of their games. Bradley's at Illinois State and then home against Loyola. So they'd have to lose at Illinois State, which just won a game last week. Um, they just beat Drake at home, so it can happen. Bradley, uh, you know, could could fall at Illinois State. That game is on Wednesday. If you saw Bradley lose both of those games and they finish 10-8 and eight, and you saw Southern Illinois lose both of their games, which is home at Indiana State, or at home against Indiana State, and then they go to Missouri State. So that's a possibility there. If Bradley loses out, if Southern Illinois loses out, and Valpo wins out, Valpo then, I believe, would be in a four-way tie with Indiana State, because you need Indiana State to beat Southern Illinois. Valpo would be in a four-way tie with Bradley, Southern Illinois, and Indiana State. And they would then, if they could jump Bradley in the net, Valpo is 134, Bradley is 106. But we're saying here that Bradley would lose to Illinois State, which is the right now the 206 team in the net. Valpo would have to jump Bradley in the net. I'm not sure if it can happen. But if Valpo wins out, Bradley loses out, and Southern Illinois loses out, there is a path for Valpo to be the number three seed in the tournament. Very unlikely that that's going to happen. Because even after you take into account six different results that have to occur, uh, then then you're still looking at, is Valpo going to be able to jump them in the net? Don't know the answer to that. Not really sure still how the net all comes together. What you should want to see then, if you're cheering for that path, is Valpo beating Missouri State by more than 10 at the arc tonight, and then Valpo beating Indiana State by more than 10 on the road. And that would be the key right there. And then you would probably need Bradley to lose by 10 or more in both of those games. Why does margin of victory matter? It's the net. That's what it is. So here's the interesting thing. Here's here's what I, I wonder. Valpo's 15 and 14 right now. They're 8-8 eight eight in conference. They've got more conference wins this year with two games to go than they had all of last year after the completion. They were 7-11 and 11 last year. I think they were 6-12 and 12 the year before that. Valpo, if they win one of their two remaining games, is 500 at, at worst in, in the conference. If they win both their games or two games above, they lose both their 8-10. They still improve on last year. 
But if they lose both, then they're 15 and 17, or 15 and 16, excuse me, and you got a losing record going into the conference tournament, and, and there you go. How I've been asking the how different question for a while. We ask this about how different does the season look, the, the optics of the season, if Valpo gets that shot to fall against Cincinnati late in the game. How different are the optics of the season if Valpo gets the closeout against Arkansas and they were so close and winning on the road there? And how different does the season look if Donovan Clay hits that three-pointer at the end of the Drake game? And there isn't a huge hole they have to climb. I mean, obviously, the holes are there, right? They've had to come back from from all of these. But, and I'm not trying to to say ref this and ref that. But if there isn't a 34 to nine free throw disparity in that game, you take those three games, and maybe take the Loyola game. What if Javon Freeman Liberty is able to get a shot off at the end of that Loyola game, right? The the line between an excellent season. If you take those four games, Cincinnati, the shot goes in. Arkansas, you hold on. Loyola, you hit the shot, you force overtime. Drake, you hit the shot, you win the game. Suddenly now, Valpo is 19 and 11 as opposed to 15 and 14. Now look, this cuts both ways. Say you don't come back against Illinois State. Let's say you don't come back against you know, some of these other teams that you've been down 10 points against. Let's say you don't come back against Bradley, and all of a sudden now you've, you've lost. Let's, let's say Indiana State gets that game at the arc, and all of a sudden now maybe you're 11-17 and 17 or something like that. So the line is really thin. What if Valpo some way, somehow, wins these two remaining games and all these other things happen, and Valpo finishes as the number three seed. How different do we talk about Matt Loddick and this season if math plays a role? Let's say Valpo wins these last two games and they finish 10 and 8, but Bradley wins their last two games and they finish 12 and 6. Southern Illinois wins their last two games and they finish 12 and 6. Drake somehow beats Loyola and Northern Iowa and they finish 10 and 8 and the way in Indiana State you know they, they would end up they would end up falling both games so so then in that situation here maybe Valpo finishes 5th or 6th is there that big of a difference Valpo could win two games and finish 6th I think or they could win two games and finish 3rd is there a huge difference between that Maybe, you know, it, it, uh, it, Indiana State, let's say they, let's say they split. I, I, I'm just trying to look at the math here. I'm, I, and again, it's, I, I haven't fleshed this out enough. Is it Valpo finishes nine and nine and is the seven seed or eight seed? And, you know, it just, again, I, I've said this all year. I don't know if Valpo's good or not. And I said this a lot last year too. They're, they're a game above 500, which Valpo wants to be better than. Everybody does. Valpo's used to being better than over 500. But this is, you know, it's a third year in the conference. They, I, I, they're playing better at the end of the year. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody can refute that. They're, they're playing better in the second half at the end of the year. They certainly have struggled in the first half. 
But I, as Terrence Price said when we had him on after the Loyola game, they keep fighting. They keep fighting. If they, if this team had quit on Lodic or this team had, like, you don't come back from 17 down on the road. You don't come back from 18 down on the road and have a chance with your star fouled out of the game and you're still fighting and you're still there. And they had a chance to win that game. You don't come back when you're down third game in a row, down huge, unless there's something there. Now, NCAA has talked about some transfer stuff, right? I tell you to follow Nicole Auerbach, Nicole, A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H. Follow her on Twitter. She did a great piece a couple days ago about this new transfer thing they're talking about. What if the NCAA says comes in and says, everybody can go somewhere? Everybody can leave. People keep saying, is Javon Freeman Liberty going to leave? It's probably too soon to be having this conversation right now because there are still games to be played. But I, I was talking to, to some people about this the other day. The guy said that he was going to transfer. By all accounts, he looked at one school, Northwestern, the school where the guy that recruited him to Valpo was an assistant coach. For whatever reason, he didn't go there. He didn't look any, he didn't go anywhere else. He came back to Valpo. Now, he has had a great season this year, which leads me to believe that a lot more people might be coming his way and talking and have their hand out and saying, hey, come on down, let's go. But if he really wanted to leave before, don't you think he'd have left? Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking through some brown and gold colored glasses here, but if but if he really wanted to go somewhere, don't you think he'd have gone somewhere? He came back. And he came back to a place where they've put the ball in his hand the last five games. Say what you will about how the season has progressed, but when Javon Freeman Liberty was moved to the point a couple of games ago, that is there is there a coincidence that they're playing probably their best basketball right now? Now, again, people who want to and and I guess I say they're playing their best basketball because we've seen some results, right? Seen some good some good wins. Now, again, they beat they beat a nine and nineteen team on the road. And they needed every play and every second of that game to do it. And they were down 18 in that game, or down 17 in that game. Well, then they did the same thing to an 18 and 11 team, and they almost pulled it off. So some people will tell you that they're playing their best basketball of the year because they're winning some games down the stretch, and they look like they're playing well. And obviously that shooting display against Bradley was amazing. Other people will tell you that, they were down huge in all of those games, and they're not playing the best basketball of the year. I, you can get the data to tell you whatever you want it to tell you. You really can. If you if you think this team's good, you could probably argue they're playing the best basketball of the year right now. If you think this team is bad, if you don't like Lodic, you don't like how things are going, you can probably talk yourself into the fact that this team's limping to the finish line because they've been in these huge deficits. I don't know the answer. I really don't know the answer. I'm just saying that I think you can you can the path of this year, the way it's unfolded, if your glass is half empty or if it's half full, will tell you a lot about how you view this season. Independent of what happens in these last two games, Valpo's in a position right now where they can still finish in the top three of the Missouri Valley Conference. It's a shot in the dark Hail Mary, half-court buzzer beater with a hand in the face type shot to get the three seed. But they can finish three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. Seven or eight is going to anger a lot of people. 
because that puts you on Thursday night. That means you've got to play an extra game, albeit against a team that you've swept already in Evansville or Illinois State. Both of those teams will be hard. Both of those games will be hard. Illinois State brings a lot of fans to St. Louis. Evansville is going to have their best player back. And if those teams show up and they decide they're in for a fight, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a game. Evansville has been so close to getting over the hump in some of these games. They just haven't been able to do it yet. Maybe they never get a chance to do it, or maybe they win. I don't know. Then if you win that, you got to play a well-rested Northern Iowa or Loyola team. Season's probably over on Friday, right? Unless Valpo shoots the lights out on the second day, you're playing two games within 24 hours. It's probably a hard sell. But if Valpo can get to Friday and get to that 3-6 or 4-5 game, well then, it's all about matchups. Everyone's on an equal slate, and you win that game, and then you're in the semifinals. If you get in the 3-6 game, if you're the sixth seed and you get in the semifinals against Loyola, a team that you have been right there with both times. Now, I know they're 0-7, but the first five don't really matter because they were different years. Talking about this team, you've played them first conference game of the year without your start, without Fazekas. You were five points. It was, the game was close late. Game at their place now. Close game. Down the stretch. Got a chance. You know, crazy comeback. Got a chance. You get them on a neutral court, anything can happen, right? You don't think so? Ask Bradley how their game against Loyola went on a neutral court last year. Bradley will tell you it went just fine. Then you get in the title game. You probably got Northern Iowa. Well, anyone will tell you that'll take more than a smile to win that game. But there's a path. There's a there is a path. It's like playing a poker hand. There's a path to victory. Just do you believe in it or not? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It'll be fascinating to see what happens down the stretch. I'm recording this here a couple hours before the game against Missouri State. If Missouri State comes into the arc and wins, blow up most of what I just said. Because Valpo's playing on Thursday night, they're going to have a, a tough stretch in front of them. I don't think there's a path. If Valpo loses tonight against Missouri State, I do not think there's a path to get out of Thursday. I'd have to look back at, at the math again. But Indiana State winning the other night, pulling out that victory against Evansville, cemented that a little bit, right? Drake is probably going to go 0-2 in their games against Loyola and Northern Iowa. They'll be on Thursday night. And then Valpo would not win any tiebreaker with Missouri State because they have been swept by Missouri State. So I think right there you're looking at Valpo. If they lose tonight, is probably destined for Thursday. They win tonight. There's there's a path. There is a path. So let's switch to the seniors for a second, and 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 we'll get this uh, we'll get these interviews out here. I got to tell you, John Kaiser. Um, I, I I have some good memories of John. Um, when he came in as a freshman, the summer before his freshman year, I was at a I was at Blue Chip in uh, in Michigan City, and I think I had a Valpo hat on or something, or I told someone I was from Valpo or whatever, and this guy at the table, and I think I've probably talked about this on Union Street Hoops before, but uh, but Kaiser said, or this, this guy said, you got a guy coming in, John Kaiser, you're gonna love him, hardest working kid, it's gonna be great, and I remember thinking like, who, a walk on, this guy's. Let's get to the poker table with this guy trying to tell me a walk-on is going to be a good player. Like, 
you know, trying to tell me that this guy's going to be a, uh, a contributor, like, I don't know how, I don't know what you're smoking, buddy, but like, let's go, let's go play for stacks right now at the poker table. And, uh, and he and I communicate with each other still to this day. And, and he was right. You know, Kaiser came in and he was great. Just a hard worker. It was really fun to watch him. My, my favorite Kaiser story comes. And again, I think I've referenced this on here before the, uh, the night that Valpo played at Northwestern it played at all state arena, I think, cause the uh, Northwestern gym was being under, uh, under renovation, you know, fr- freshman year, we, we've, we joked about this and, and joked about him with him the other day. And to the point that I think John got a little annoyed by it when the first time we brought him in for a press conference, he was a deer in headlights. Um, so we it was like, well, I don't know if we'll ever interview him again. And then we needed a guy to talk to after that Northwestern game. And if you remember, Northwestern came out and hit like a dozen three pointers before the first media timeout Valpo, I think was, oh, it was eight. No, at that point, they were looking excellent. And, uh, and they just, they fell apart and we needed a guy to talk to. And, and Kaiser, I think was the last one out of the locker room. And it was like the, the one guy that we could grab. And he gave one of the best post game interviews I've ever had talking to a player before. And, and it, it didn't even matter. It wasn't even about quotes. It was just about the fact that he stood there and he, he took accountability for it and said, we need, we need leadership. And he said, and I'll be the guy if I have to be, you know? And, um, I just I really thought the world of Kaiser from that. So I, I just good good stories about Kaiser. Um, Ryan Fazekas was uh, was good. I, I remember um, the day that he committed. I mean, I covered Ryan in high school. I remember the day that he committed. My girlfriend and I were playing ping pong against each other, and uh, or table tennis, however you savages refer to it. We were playing ping pong with each other, and. Um, I get the alert. I I'd actually had a feeling that he was going to commit. So I had turned on alert notifications for Fizikas on my phone. And in the middle of the game, I think it was a game point of our game, I get an alert on my phone that Fizikas had tweeted out that he'd committed to Valpo. And I just remember, I don't even know if we ever finished the game. I think I said, I got to go to work. I got to, you know, and, and uh, so Fizikas shows up and, um, just a, it's just a really nice kid, right? And and you feel for the guy. You see the injuries that he battled, and you'll hear later on in the uh, in his interview, Fazekas will talk about some of the injuries that he battled and how how frustrating they were. I'll tell you if you haven't already, go back and listen to the Ryan Fazekas episode from a couple a couple uh, weeks ago when he talked about how close he was to walking away from the game. And you'll hear from Matt Loddick in this episode too, who will talk about you know he hopes that Ryan gets that itch again. So. Anyways, uh, you know, I I want to get this out as soon as possible for you to be able to listen to this before the game tonight. So we're I'm going to kind of end this abruptly. I'm just going to string these three interviews together, and then we're just going to go from there. So uh, next week, obviously, we'll be uh, back to to preview everything all con- everything Valley related. Talk about all conference. Javon Freeman Liberty should be a lock for the first team, and we'll go from there. And then obviously, I'll be in St. Louis and bringing you content from. Arch Madness. So without further ado, here are John Kaiser, Ryan Vizikas, and Matt Loddick as Valpo gets ready to honor their seniors in the final home game of the 2019-20 basketball season. We're joined by John Kaiser. John, it is uh, 48 hours or so before senior night. Does that gone through, what's going through your mind right now? Just crazy how fast it all went. Um, Just excited for one last time in the arc, so. You, uh, coming off the game last night, you guys beat Bradley. Uh, you, 
we thought, I thought, the last time that we were going to see you on the floor was when you were being carried off. Let, let's Before we get into Bradley, let's talk about that a little bit. It was uh, – we didn't get a chance to interview you that night. Um, I don't even remember what game it was now because there's been Southern so many. Illinois. Southern Illinois game. Defensive, gritty effort. That yeah, I don't know if I can use the word gritty this year, but it just gritty effort. And there was a moment in the game – not the first time you got knocked down and not the third time you got knocked down, but the second time you got knocked down in front of the bench. You were laying face down. You didn't move for a moment. And then you got up and the entire arc stood and gave you a standing ovation in the middle of play. Yeah, I've been covering games here for a long time. It's been years since I remember a guy getting a standing ovation in the middle of the game like that. What I mean, did you even realize that was going on? Um, I heard, you know, I... I heard the place get a little bit louder, but I mean, I was just, that's just how I play. So it wasn't anything, I mean, it's special. Yeah. Um, I figure in the run of play and also you're shaking off an injury, you might not realize what's going yeah, on, but like was, the entire arena stood up in the middle of the game mm-hmm. for you. With the, I was still trying to catch my breath from getting the wind knocked out of me from hitting the floor. So, I mean, I did, I heard the cheers and everything, but I didn't really think much of it at that point I was still worried about the game and getting back out there so earlier in that game you had fallen into the student section that looked painful you fall in front of the bench and then late in the game you guys are about to put the icing on the cake on this one you went down and you I mean you punched the floor right away I mean obviously you knew something was wrong it sprained your ankle yeah um left ankle just rolled on me you you looked I mean from my perspective and just the way you reacted, it looked like it was season ending. Did that, you that, did it cross your mind? Yeah, that went through that was the first thing through my head. Um just from all my ankle injuries over the years, I thought it was gonna be four to six weeks and it, that was it, but And there was a and again, I'm I i do not know if you your brain goes into shock during this or whatever, but there were just some really kind of special moments. One of them I thought was when you were going toward the circle after the game to, for the prayer circle, and the guys were coming toward you, and you shoot them off, and you, you said, get to the center. I mean, what – do you remember that at all? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to go out to the center. I mean, that's what we do. We go to the center court to pray afterwards, and I, I didn't want anything to change just because of that. So. And then you go into the student section. They basically carry you into the student mm-hmm. section. Uh, and, again, because you were a walk-on at one point, I remember. I just think of, like, they carried Rudy off the field <laughs> the last time he played. And they basically had to carry you off in that situation. Um, I thought it was a special moment, albeit it looked like it was going to be it for you. Yeah. Um, when, when, I guess, when did you figure out it wasn't going to be four to six weeks that you could come back? Next day, I was able to put a little bit of pressure on it. Um, at that point, I kind of was feeling like, okay, this could be a week or two. And then we got MRI, and I was like, all right, nothing, nothing much more I can do to it, so let's just get the swelling down and go. And so then you, I mean, you missed two games, and I, I imagine for you, those two games, watching your team go down by 17, watching your team go down by 18, um, what are you, what's, what are you doing on the sideline during those games? Oh, just worrying, worrying, worrying. Um, coaching, obviously. Um, just staying positive. <laughs> I mean, every 
when you get in games like that, it's a lot of fun, but you don't want to do it that much. And I guess 18 too much for us. 17 is the perfect amount. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it turns out if you're down yeah. 13, then you, then you just destroy the team in the second half. Well, that's what – after the Drake game, we're all sitting there and we're like, if we just put together a good – just a good first half, maybe down five, maybe up, second half's really where we shine. So if we can just keep it close, it's going to – be a tough game for whoever's on the other side of the court you got to figure out a way not to and and look maybe putting you in the starting lineup i thought was like oh this will work and then you're you know against bradley you're down 13 again so it it seems like there's no cure for that but again the second half you guys have have been great um what was it like to to be able to be back in the starting lineup and obviously i imagine you'll start on senior night as well yeah i I actually didn't really even know it was gonna i was in the starting lineup i would I had class the day before, so I didn't. I wasn't there for filming here that I was gonna start, and I thought Nick was actually just sitting out and gonna come and play the next day. So we got to game day, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh crap! I'm in the starting lineup, coming off of two missed games." So it was it was kind of a shock and kind of a let's see how this goes, just because I haven't been playing and trying to get back in the flow of the game, and it didn't seem like. It affected us very much as a team. So I want to go back to, to the idea of senior night here. You have seen other guys go through this, right? Do you Have you thought about words on paper at this point? Well, I mean, I remember to my freshman year, Alec had probably a 30-minute senior night speech. So He had a lot to say. Don't, don't really want to be like that, but then... You got Max and Tavon who said nothing, so I don't really want to be like that either. So I haven't really, I mean, I've thought about here and there what I want to, you know, just give appreciation to everything that I've had the opportunity to do, but haven't really wrote anything down yet. So I was talking to Alec the other day. Um, we communicate. He, he always is asking me about the Valpo basketball team and, uh, and he particularly wants to know how you're doing because you're like the last connection that he has. And he told me, and I can uh, obviously can edit this out if I need to. He told me I'm supposed to ask you a story about the time that he invited you to the football field your freshman year. He said it's a good story, and I'm wondering if you've got if, if this is if this is able to be told to the to the fans. Well, I've already told the coaches, so I guess it doesn't matter now. Um... Well, we just we were playing catch. He wanted to go out there and you know run some routes. He enjoys throwing the football, so me and Nick were kind of playing one on one, you know, wide receiver, defensive back. And then after we were done, he's like, "Let's go one on one from the five yard line, see who can score a tackle." I'm like, "I don't know about that because if I, I'm still the new walk on. <laughs> you're you're the star player, but I couldn't really say no to him either. So we got through that luckily with no injuries." So. It's, uh, it's great. It's, it's great. You know, obviously, everybody knew about his competitive drive, and everyone has learned and knows about your competitive drive. Um, I, I guess I want to end with this here. You know, a lot of guys that come through this place come and go, and uh, some other guys come through this place and leave a legacy. You're going to leave a legacy here. Have you thought about that at all? I mean, not not really. Um just enjoy my time playing um, who knows if it comes to an end after this or if something comes out of it I don't really care and if the opportunity presents itself I'll take it but with all my injuries 
I might just be quits for me. But well, you've got a pretty good academic background, yeah. right? So yeah, mechanical engineering. I'm gonna be looking for a job. You know, gonna get one. I don't have any worry about that. Um, but I haven't really thought back to much of my legacy, as you say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I'll I'll end with this here because. Uh, Every time we talk about senior day, there's still games left. What can this team do the rest of the season? I think we can make a push, most definitely. Um, we're starting to get hot at the right time here. Um, if you know we win that, we have a possession go differently in the end of that Drake game. We got four in a row going into these last two. Um, I definitely think come the Missouri Valley Tournament, you don't want to be playing us. Now there's a lot of... There's a lot of good teams as well. I mean, there's eight teams that don't have a losing exactly. record with two games left. Exactly. So um, it's just going to be interesting. And if the team that I know that we have shows up, it's we could definitely make a push going in. So very good, John Kaiser. We look forward to the senior night speech. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, the last time that we talked to you in here, you were just getting back. Mm -hmm. You're back in the flow now. Uh, you're coming off a night where you guys. Buried three after three after three. Um, what what has been the, what's the last couple of weeks been like for you? Uh, it's been I mean it's been fun. Um, just being back, being able to play, playing well, shooting the ball well. Um, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey, and we we come in here every day. Every guy is enjoying the process, so that that also helps when the season's as long as it is, and we're on the home stretch here. It's uh, you're on the home stretch of your collegiate career as well. Have you given any thought to? I mean, you're, you're starting to have a bunch of lasts, and and the first one will be your last home game. Have mm -hmm. you given any thought to the emotions that might hit in this situation? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm not a very emotional person, so uh, I haven't even. It's never even crossed my mind. I'm again just on the ride, going through the journey. Um, and, you know, I'm sure some emotions will hit towards the end, but uh, I'm not too too worried about it. Your first year here, Tavon and Max, they I guess they gave senior night speeches, but they didn't mm -hmm. really say anything. Mm -hmm. Are you going to talk shorter or longer than Tavon and Max? Um, I'm probably going to be right around what they said. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I'm not one for many words either. Um, you know, I'll give my thanks my appreciation of everyone who's been with me through these times so um i think i think that people will want to hear kaiser more <laughs> i'm gonna give kaiser his time <laughs> um you know again it's it's been a journey of kind of some ups and downs for you with injuries and everything but i guess can you kind of summarize your three years here at valpo uh i mean it's been great i mean I've built a lot of relationships um had a lot of fun, um, played on a lot of different teams, a lot of gr different groups of guys, and, you know, it's been fun, um, especially this year. This this team has been especially one that's, like, just really fun to play with, great group of guys. I think this group is really changing the culture around Valpo basketball, um, and I think there's a bright future for this group. So I'm excited to, to stay in touch with them and see how they do down the road. My final question, you watched for most of the year, 
from the bench a lot of these crazy comebacks. Mm-hmm. Now you've been a part of a couple of th- three in a row of mm-hmm. 13, yeah. 17, 18 points back. Uh, what does it take to be able to do that? Um, I mean, I think just being tough, um, being able to be mentally tough more than physically tough and start to execute. I mean, we, we're not a group that just gives up. Um, there's a lot of fight in this group. And like I said, it's a very special group. So to be able to have that in you is something that many teams don't have. So that's that's one reason I think down the road, like this, this will be a special group of guys. Co- coaches almost always shy away from talking about scoreboard watching and everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, we're sitting here in the basketball wing <clears throat> with – two Valley games on TV mm-hmm. right now. Do you watch these guys when you're not? And, and if you do, what are you mm-hmm. watching? Um, I don't necessarily watch them, uh, but I do look at the scores, see which teams are getting hot, who's who's winning right now. Because um, towards the end of the year, the teams that are winning are usually the tougher teams to beat because they're, they're starting to get on the roll, getting ready to play in the tournament. Um, so... Right now, it's been just more watching the scores, seeing who's winning, seeing who's losing, and then we come in and practice, and whoever we got coming up next, we'll, we'll break it down. And um, are, are you guys getting on a roll? You've won three of four, but you've also trailed by 50 in every game I think you've played. Yeah, I mean, I think we are getting on a roll. Um, I don't know if we've won two games in a row all year, and then we got two in a, uh, won two in a row and then lost – one that you know we could have we could have easily won and we didn't make it easy for ourselves um and then we had a good win last night so i think we're starting to figure it out um and hopefully we can just not go down by it so much and have to fight so hard to come back <laughs> when you i mean you you're no stranger to injury when mm-hmm. you saw him go down against the southern illinois so what was going through your mind yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie that when he went down, it, it was kind of heartbreaking because I didn't I didn't want to see him not be able to play in, in his senior night because, like, senior night's really for him, I feel like. I mean, I've been here three years, but that dude's been here four years. It's, it's just such a good teammate, and, I mean, it, he deserves it. So, like I said, every year I've played in, I've been injured and missed games, and I'm always like, what if? freshman year don't get mono eight games in shooting 55 percent from three like probably you know probably could have been a a crazy year on percentage for me from three-pointer and I get mono and you know I got to move on from it and then my sophomore year I averaged three threes a game and then I tear my shoulder um so it's and, and you know, last year, last year too. I mean, going into conference, I was shooting fifty-five percent in those first two games, and then you know, I go go down with the ankle injury. It's like as soon as I get going, I've always been, I've always fallen, and you know, it. You can look back at it and be, I don't know, get down about it, but that's just not who I am. I've always um, gotten back up, kept fighting, and just keep pushing forward um it it's this is a quote from Kobe Bryant that has always stuck with me and it's he said it's not the destination it's the journey and um that's just something like you know I've 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 taken the journey step by step and I've appreciated every aspect of the journey and you know I might not reach my 
my destination that I wanted, but I've, I've learned a ton from the game of basketball. Um, I've built a lot of great relationships, and I mean, I'm just grateful for it. So, Can you uh, just kind of talk broadly about what these two guys have meant for the program? Well, John, um, you know, he's been a first four-year guy for me, uh, so it's pretty special. And, you know, as you watch John, I think he embodies, you know, everything you want in a young man. Um, you know, someone that lays it all out in the line every single time he's on the floor. Um, I feel like every time he plays, he's on a, you know, diving on a loose ball, getting injured, getting back up. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to maximize really everything you have, everything you've been given. And I think John's done a great job of that. You know, he has taken advantage of college. He's going to leave here with an unbelievable degree and um, as a huge contributor um, in, in a transitional time in our program. And so he's, uh, he embodies everything that we want in our program. And Ryan, um, you know, obviously didn't start here, but someone that we knew very, very well. Um, and, you know, when I think of Ryan, I just think of a guy that's just been as resilient as they come. You know, he's been injured. Um, you know, he's come back been injured again, come back, been injured again, come back, and done it the entire time with being a good teammate. And so he's set an example of, of really no excuses, right? He's, he's been dealt a tough hand, um, and he's made the most of it. And so, again, that's what we ask of our guys. And um, you know, he's a good example of it. Both these young men are leaving our program in a much better place, and that's, that's huge. And that's what we want from anyone in, in any situation. And so... Um, they're setting a big standard for a senior class, and um, you know, hopefully our next class can, can live up to it. When John got hurt at Southern Illinois, or the, against the so Southern Illinois at home, you walked a across the, mm -hmm. to see him. Is that the longest walk as a coach that, that you take? It was hard. You know, I actually got pretty emotional the last game when he's introduced in the starting lineup because I did think his season was over. You know, even talking to him there on the ground, he just said, you know, he's like, my ankle's done. And, you know, it just didn't look good. Um, and... You know, thank God it's not, and um, you know he's able to have a moment and um, have another couple games. I mean, it's it was painful for him to play in the last game, but he was able to to just do it. And again, testament to his character. When we talked to Ryan a couple weeks ago, when he came back, he kind of, I mean, he spilled it all out there that he thought not only was he done this year when he got hurt, but he was ready to walk away from the game. Mm -hmm in general just can you talk a, a little bit about his uh grit i guess and getting back into the into the flow yeah. i mean you don't really blame the guy right it's just been this just recurring theme of playing well injury playing well injury um and you know spending the entire off season making sure that he was ready to have a great you know senior year and so um you know the fact that he's able to to still fight um, and still contribute, um, you know, my my goal for him, I want him to get the itch. I want him to keep playing, but um, you know, right now he's taking it a day at a time and a game at a time, and and he's completely bought into to what we're trying to do, and and so, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't blame him, but I also know how much he loves basketball, so I know when he got healthy, that itch, that itch might come back. So.